Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast, where strategic leaders get straight to the topics, strengthening our awareness and sharpening our minds. The Pin Leader Podcast is produced by Roar, a production division of Maze and Associates LTD. Find out more at www.mazeassociatesltd.com. Now here is your award-winning host, Dr. Shan DeGore. Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, which has been, again, another topic that has grown in urgency as things have changed over time. So there's one piece that uh, with AI everyone's trying to figure out is how is it really going to help us and uh, how do we use it? And can you actually, in some ways make money from this this new uh, world that we're living in with artificial intelligence. There are good and bad components to that, and I know I have a great guest here with me today who works with artificial intelligence every day, and it's Mr. Greg Walker, and he has 25 years, years experience working in the field of information technology. Um, he's worked for a number of companies from governmental entities, such as Bell Howell, Electronic Data Systems, Apple Computer, and NASA as a contractor. Um, he's held roles in commercial and governmental space, such as software engineer, network engineer, quality, software quality assurance engineer, a systems engineer, and a senior systems administrator. Uh, he has a bachelor's of science uh, in computer science from Cleveland State and Programming Systems Institute. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Greg Walker. Hello, Greg. Hello, Sandra. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So the first question about artificial intelligence, again, as we're trying to grapple with what this is and how it's going to impact our lives is, you know, I've had individuals who ask, well, are you, do you use artificial intelligence and say, uh, well, do I? I probably do, and I don't even know it. Can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in artificial intelligence and even how you're using it? Uh, well, I'll go back and talk about um, what I call uh, the waves of technology. That, uh, And I think we're in a, uh, a very uh, sophisticated wave now of technology that AI is uh, the product that uh, I think is going to improve uh, life for mankind. Uh, I think one one of the first waves since I've been around was the what they call the atomic age, where uh, man split the atom and we we unleashed the power of the atom. The second wave since I've been around is the internet wave, where the internet became a commercial entity and it became a worldwide resource for people to share information. I think this is a third wave, which is AI, which is going to be embedded in pr practically everything we interact with. And of course, with all these waves that I've mentioned, there's good and bad to them. The atomic age gave us the H-bomb. The internet gave us online porn and things of that sort. And AI has its downsides, which we, we could discuss also. So there's there's good and bad to these technologies. Uh, what humans have to do is apply these powerful technologies to constructive purpose. And that's where I feel that we really need to 
concentrate on doing that and also eliminate some of the downsides of AI. So, so basically, go ahead. No, so you're talking about taking a really a leadership that as humankind, we need to take a leadership position in how to managing artificial intelligence. Correct. We, we have to proceed intelligently in applying this technology because it's so powerful and it can, it'll probably will affect uh, all of our lives. Um, and getting back to AI, probably the majority of users listening to this podcast probably interact with AI and they don't even realize it. When you call for your bank statement, you may get a AI generated voice, voice menu. You may get a AI generated chat bot when you interact with uh, a support line for your banking or your, or anything basically. Um, so AI is embedded in devices. An example of that would be uh, some of the security devices we use at NASA has basic AI embedded in it, what they call machine learning. What machine learning is, is a subset of AI as a whole. And what, what machine learning does basically, it's, it's, it basically can simulate the human reasoning when there's an example would be a security device that detects anomalies and can learn from and categorize anomalies moving forward in the future. So that security device can react to hacking attempts and this technology is embedded in these devices. Another thing you, we could use uh, AI or we do use AI with is, as I said before, we uh, have AI generated uh, chat bots that interact with uh, outside customers at NASA. So some of our, uh, our vendors that, you know, supply us with uh, material uh, for support, we have AI generated chat bots. Also, we work with uh, programming and generate programming languages uh, or programs from AI generated code. So basically you have what they call software writing other software. So that's so, interesting. So you've got uh, artificial intelligence writing for and developing other artificial intelligence. Is that right? Correct. Yes, or artificial intelligence doing what they call code reviews. Uh, you, you could have a developer writing some code and to check it, to validate it, an AI-generated system could, could check the code. So what, what AI basically is trying to simulate is, is human thought and human reasoning. And machine, lear machine learning and what they call deep learning are subsets of AI as a whole. As a whole. We're, we're really at the beginning of AI because the, the, the ultimate goal of AI is to equal or exceed the capabilities of the human mind, which is the most, right now, the most complex organism in the universe. <laughs> well, so. that's interesting that you say that because that's not what I thought the original goal of AI was to do. Originally, what I heard AI was supposed to do, what I was reading, is that it was supposed to help uh, humankind uh, with tasks that would be at a, uh, at a level where the, it would take up time. They basically would be part of helping us complete our day to help generate more time for us to be free to be able to create and be more innovative. But what I'm hearing you say is not necessarily the goal of AI is to go beyond what the human mind can do ultimately 
and it's not really about helping the human mind. Is is that what I'm hearing? Because that's what would, it sounds I, like. I would say it's more to assist the human. But again, we talk about the downsides. Is it deterministic if humans decide they have this AI system where they, they turn over ultimate authority to the AI system to make decisions and humans rely on that decision without any input? Mm. So it, it, it is a quandary that you, you know, that you have to think about because I don't know if you ever saw the movie, The Forbin Project. It was basically, and it was, it was a movie made in the early 70s about a, a computer system. And basically this computer system was a forerunner of AI. Basically in the movie, it, it simulated AI. Mm-hmm. And what the United States did in this movie was basically turn over all of its defense defenses to this computer. Yes. So the computer controlled the nuclear codes it could launch missiles and and the reasoning they gave for doing that is that ai could determine threats at a faster pace than the human Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the computer basically uh, man was subjugated by the computer and that sounds like that's the beginning of the terminator series and a number of other (laughs) uh another more of a doomsday situation where the artificial intelligence says you know i don't think you can really run the world because you're the threat, and I've seen movies like that, where humankind becomes the threat, and the computers think that they can do it better and save the planet. I I would think on a not so much as a futuristic of what that could happen, because again, very viable if you did turn over the capability of bombs. But if you're just turning over as simple as an email to be written by artificial intelligence, which I know there are groups of individuals that have, they don't have the time to write the email. It's long. And they ask chat uh, to go ahead and uh, chat GPT to go ahead and do that for them because it saves them time. You use this uh, AI on a number of, in a number of different ways. Uh, You're probably one of the most integrated with AI that I know. Um, And plus, of course, being, you know, a systems engineer and uh, administrator, you you can see it uh, even more in the back end than most. Do you see a danger in turning over the just having people write, having, they're no longer writing their own emails, but letting the chat do it for them? Well, probably not specifically emails, although uh, you have to think about this. If AI is generating the emails, in care of a person, could AI be put to use to basically uh, write an email where the, the person really has no idea? In other words, they're impersonating the person and uh-huh. it's sending emails out saying, uh, say, sends an email to their stockbroker saying, I want to buy this cryptocurrency mm-hmm. or I want to do this. And the person's not aware that the, the, the AI system is generating an email using their digital signature to uh, basically move money to these offshore accounts of somebody else. So there's a downside to AI. And it has, we have to really be thoughtful on, on the applications of AI. Let me give another example. As, uh, in the Tesla car, you know, Tesla has its autom- automated driving system. And uh, I was reading about this. Uh, so the Tesla is, basically has an AI system built in where it rec- it, it's getting inputs from all the sensors of the car from the cameras, from uh, sonic sensors, RF sensors of where, you know, radar, where it knows where, how far in front of it is another car is behind it. It 
knows objects that are in the street so it can apply the brakes. A person who was uh, basically taking a look at this AI system on the Tesla, he was thinking, or I think this actually was a problem they presented that say you're driving your Tesla and, and the Teslas had built in saying, okay, avoid all objects. If you see an object in the road, apply your brakes or swerve to avoid the object. Well, they presented this AI system where, you know, you have a child in the street and you have a deer in the street. Mm. So there's two objects in the street. The Tesla is supposed to swerve. Which, in that AI system, which would which object would the Tesla avoid hitting? The child or the deer? There's, there's no way of avoiding the accident. So the AI system has to be intelligent enough to rank rank the child is more valuable than the deer or an animal. That's interesting. But in that, that case, because <laughs> that, that, that could be, that could make a lot of it with uh, decisions making that uh, we hadn't even thought of. So I think what was happening is when the car was basically made a decision to what object was the closest and to basically swerve around that. So if the child happened to be the, the closest object, it would, it would swerve around that. But if the deer was the closest object, it would swerve around that and <laughs> hit the child. That's it. That is where, and that's where you're saying again, where it could play a part. I, I read an article. I, it wasn't quite with this kind of description, but it was in time magazine, not too long ago. I think just a, a month or two ago where there was a discussion about all that data being captured from spatial, from the spatial world. And then, yes. And then how all of the data is also being captured. So there's one group that owns that, right? Tesla and those that have Teslas. They're gathering that information. But then there's another right. group that's gathering information through your um, Alexas and your Siri's. And so that's more of the thinking part. So if you combine both of those, of the spatial along with the thinking, now you can have AI walking around amongst us, not necessarily in virtual, but and very much walking around because now it can be placed in a, in some type of holding body, uh, because it's figured out space and it's uh, space and it's figured out how to think. Yes, that's correct. And um, AI AI um, is applied in sometimes life and death situations. I, I actually worked for a company for a short time that uh, they were making software for. It basically had a protocol for drug interactions and, and, and a protocol to identify uh, if a patient dies of septic. Mm. Well, the drug interaction, uh, a, AI would basically would examine what drugs the person's taking. And what AI can do is go through and identify interactions, basically list interactions and possibilities with these combinations of drugs the patient's taking. And this will all dependent on the race of the person gender, uh, height, weight, all these inputs would, would go into before a decision is made. And then then a, uh, the output would basically be here, that this patient would be, you know, could possibly be allergic or have a reaction because they're taking these multiple drugs. So that's a positive aspect of AI in, in, in the health, health industry. Yes, I was going to say, well, now, wait a minute, you just said it's something about biases that could be with whatever the input is, right? That is absolutely correct because a lot of times minorities aren't, uh, the data is not captured for minority patients that are, uh, 
in studies of, of drug interactions because we do know different races of people have different metabolisms, they metabolize things differently. And there's, they're not as much in, in the studies of new medicines as, as the majority of population. So um, if the data is not there, then AI cannot make the decisions. Uh, it can only make decisions on the data that's presented. Now, what they can do is you can have an AI system that can learn, but again, they would have to encounter a minority person with, with a drug interaction. And if there's an interaction, it would have to learn that and say for the future, mm -hmm. uh, basically maybe we don't recommend this drug or, you know, going forward. But what AI is basically looking at is, is doing a statistical analysis. But if you don't have the, if you're not uh, having minority groups in these studies, you won't have the statistical data for AI to act upon. So, so let's just take a reflection on that for a moment. You're talking about health. Some of the basics that I'm noticing with using AI, they're not actually even dealing with health, but they're just asking questions like, who is the most beautiful? What does the most beautiful person in the world look like? And what's interesting, I, we ran this as a test not uh, too long ago, and the results are very telling because it's all about AI pulling information from the internet and from resources from where things are programmed, which might lean toward one group or another. And so now you have this uh, AI doing its best, right? Artificial intelligence doing its best on information that's programmed or it's out there that it, so it gives you an answer based on what it knows. I used chat GPT just to ask some few questions of it. And I noticed that every time it would say back to me, uh, like I would ask just basic questions and it would say, you know, did I answer your question? Uh, how was it? And it would put an exclamation mark at the end of its sentence, which is every, it was every one or two sentences it would respond back. And I thought that was odd because the exclamation mark reflects a bias of being emotional response, like excitement. Okay. That's what it's yes. supposed to be, right? So I yes. write back to the artificial intelligence and I say, uh, do you, are you emotional? And the chat came back and said, no, I'm not emotional. I'm not human. I, I, you know, I'm a artificial intelligence and it explains itself. Right. So I say back to it, I said, well, if you're not emotional, you don't have emotions. Why do you keep giving me exclamation marks at the end of your sentences to me? And it comes back to me, which was surprising and says, you're right. I shouldn't be using exclamation marks. Uh, and since that, uh, doesn't make you happy, I will stop using it. And within the next few sentences, it stopped using exclamation marks when it answered me back all because it recognized it may have a problem with understanding emotional response, because I said, if you use an explanation right. mark, you're meaning emotion. So this tells me that if people really wanted to on biases, whatever those biases are, if you really wanted to get artificial intelligence to address not having a bias, you could go in and start to get uh, global majority individuals, global majority individuals input with their health information. Cause a minority in one country is a majority in another, right? Correct. So, yeah. So, so I just, I want to get your thoughts on that. 
Well, that's absolutely right. Uh, what what that uh, was an example of what they call machine learning. It's actually learning uh, and examining in response your input. Basically, you were asking it a question, and based upon your question, it learned basically not to use the at least with you moving forward to use the explanation point because it 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 did basically reason what I call reasoning so, like similar to human thoughts so it's pretty interesting that it it did that um, another thing was I going to say uh, what a lot of AI uh, basic AI is doing is what I I think I refer back to statistical analysis the one the one caveat you got to remember there is um, what they did was they, they had some experiments they had AI said what show me your average nuclear physicist well it showed a a, um, a, a white person with German ancestry <laughs> uh, and and they made up this this person what they would look like so I what the AI is doing is statistical analysis of saying oh there's there's more maybe there's more People of German origin or, or mm -hmm. the Caucasian race that's, that are physicists and also men, and it came up with an answer. What AI doesn't didn't do if they look just just statistics, it, it may not examine the reason why these statistics are what they are. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a whole gambit of reasons why you may not have more minorities or women as nuclear physicists, but AI doesn't look at that because it doesn't. It's not fed the reasons why statistics are what they are well, how they, they and, and people out. have to be aware of that and, and reason it know, out especially so, with in the, in the criminal justice system with facial recognition and things of that sort because there's been mistakes made with a, using ai for facial recognition that uh, a person and, and remember uh the, the cues that it looks at for facial recognition there could be people that have those same cues mm -hmm. you know same race same cues same shape of ear and there have been mistakes so the humans should not rely exclusively in, especially in, in those kind of situations on on artificial intelligence making the final decision whether somebody is guilty of a crime or, or arrested for a crime with, without you know some kind of check or balance for the human insertion there of reasoning it out correct so here's for leaders that are listening, again, um, focus on those that are using AI as potentially as part of their team, as they might see, it's like, well, I use this as every day. So I, I hear both the positives and negatives of challenges. What do you advise um, in the few minutes we have left here? Uh, what do you advise concerning leaders uh, to how they would go about incorporating AI uh, effectively into their teams? Well, uh, it depends, you know, what field they're in uh, I would say basically I would say get get a book there's a book called AI for dummies okay. <laughs> I would get that book and I would read it it would give you an overall view of what exactly AI is I mean there's like I said there's different subsets of AI there's something called deep learning machine learning and I would be familiar with those terms and understand what they mean and from from understanding that if you're running a business maybe that but um, you would set up a system that handles customers' inquiries automatically through the web uh, with an intelligent uh, chat bot. If you're in research or government, say, uh, you would have a bot that goes with 
And when I say bot, that's an automated automated system that goes out and searches the, the web for information, for research, categorizes it. There's, there's many things you have you have to understand first what AI is and what, what uh, its capabilities are. And then you would apply that to whatever field you're in. So I think a leader needs to, at a high level, be aware of exactly what it is. Um, like you were mentioning chat GPT, I would experiment with that, maybe that because ChatGPT is also uh, is run by the OpenAI group, and they provide a paid-for API. And what an API stands for is an application programming interface where you can write software, and your custom software can basically use their API. In other words, it can interface with their back end and make calls to their system mm. where you, just like ChatGPT, you type some inputs where your software can basically input data into that API and pull back responses through that into your custom software. That's amazing. So that's, that's how you're making sense of AI right there. Making sense as in could be helpful to your, to your business, as long as you know how to manage it is what you're saying. So do your research is what you're advising. And correct. And that's why I recommend the AI for dummies or, or a book or just there's, there's plenty of videos on YouTube. There's also courses, free courses online, and there's paid-for courses. I believe MIT offers, uh, you know, non-graduate courses for for AI that you can take. Uh, there's lectures on it, there's, so there's there's multiple resources out there to to get a high-level understanding of what the capabilities and what exactly AI is. That's excellent. I I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about this area because I, I, it's a growing area more to come as we, as it evolves as the leadership, even the leadership that's in these different areas changes, uh, comes and goes, or again, as they become more innovative or when they start collaborating with other systems, I, I would also advise, you know, keeping your eye out on how the relationships between some of the companies are, have, um, occurring because like you mentioned, Tesla and, uh, I know Microsoft is working on open AI. There's a number of players that collab. Sometimes some of them work collaboratively together and depending on the day of the week, uh, not so much. And so it also uh, has a play and an impact on the innovation of AI and how fast it moves. So I, I want to say thank you again for being on the show. Uh, thank you so much, Greg. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Excellent. So as always, Remember to stay on topic. Hopefully you're sharpening your mind from all of this information we're providing and becoming more aware of the pluses and minuses of AI. And until next time. The Pen Leader Podcast is hosted by Dr. Shan DeGore and brought to you by Mason Associates LTD, creating customized solutions for growth in the areas of leadership development strategic planning, and culture building. Find out more at www.maceassociatesltd.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pin Leader podcast and share with others.